This is episode 217, a cross post from the Becoming Ultra podcast where I was interviewed about how to make your first ultra marathon a wild success. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode is a unique episode when I'm the one being interviewed. I was recently a guest on the My First Ultra show, part of the Becoming Ultra podcast, and I met both hosts, Chris and Carly, at this year's Rocky Mountain Trail Camp. We had such a good conversation about how to succeed with your first ultra marathon that I want to cross-post it here on this podcast. And if you want even more resources to help your running, don't miss Strength Running's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash strengthrunning. And I want to thank you for helping us reach a big milestone of 50,000 subscribers. Helping more runners has always been my goal, and with your help, we're making it a reality. And of course, our home base is strengthrunning.com. Since 2010, we've helped tens of thousands of runners around the world with the award-winning Strength Running blog, our free email courses on topics from strength to mental toughness to injury prevention, and the full catalog of training programs and coaching services to help you achieve your wildest ambitions as a runner at strengthrunning.com coaching. This episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. They help you analyze your body's biomarker data to give you a clear picture of what's going on inside you, and then offer science-backed recommendations to improve any metrics that are outside of your unique optimal zones. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store at insidetracker.com/strengthrunning. We're also supported by Elemental Labs, and they want to gift you a free sample pack of high-sodium electrolytes for your next big long run. Just pay 5 bucks for shipping in the United States. Go to drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning, and you can sign up for a free sample pack. It has four flavors, including my favorite, citrus, and eight individual packets to help you optimize your hydration. That's drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning for your free sample pack. All right, our episode today is a little different. A new flavor for you this week as I'm reposting a conversation I had with the My First Ultra show on the Becoming Ultra podcast. The day that I met the hosts, Chris and Carly, it was the Rocky Mountain Trail Camp, and they were off for an 18-mile run on some gnarly terrain in the mountains. Now, Chris and I didn't do the entire distance, so we had the chance to connect on a four-mile hike after our run, talking about podcasting, training, and ultras, and she invited me on her show. We had a great conversation for aspiring ultra-marathoners with her co-host, Carly, and I want you to hear this conversation, too. So without further delay, please enjoy this chat with Becoming Ultra's Chris and Carly, hosts of My First Ultra. All right, everybody. Welcome to another thrilling, exciting episode with Chris and I on um, My First Ultra. And today we have a great guest we're super excited to chat with. Um, we met Jason at trail camp. We 
Chris and I talk about trail camp a lot. Uh, <laughs> we, we met someone at trail camp. We are just fangirling everybody we meet at trail camp. But uh, we met we met Jason um, at trail camp this month, and we're super excited to have him um, join our little amateur podcast here. So a little bit about Jason, if you don't know him. Um, Jason Fitzgerald is the host of the Strength Running Podcast, which is one of the top three running podcasts in the United States of all time, which is awesome. So awesome. And the founder of Strength Running, an award-winning running blog with hundreds of thousands of monthly readers. A 239 marathoner and an USATF certified coach, he's coached thousands of endurance athletes to faster finishing times and fewer injuries with his results-oriented coaching philosophy. He's the winner of the 2011 Moraine Hills Half Marathon, the 2012 Maryland Warrior Dash, and the 2013 Potomac River Run Marathon. During his collegiate career, he was a member of the 2002 National Championship Qualifying Cross Country Team and a top 10 finisher in the steeplechase at the 2006 New England Championships, which when I, every time I watch a steeplechase, I'm like, how do these people do this? This is like incredible. It's so fun to watch. I'm a big Emma fan. So I love watching her run. Um, Jason speaks at industry conferences and for major brands like Anheuser-Busch and the Inter-American Development Bank. He also frequently delivers presentations and coaches at fitness retreats and running camps throughout the United States. His work has been featured in the Washington Post, Runner's World, Health Magazine, Lifehacker, Huffington Post, and other major media. He lives in Denver, Colorado, where you can find him trail running in the nearby flat irons, cheating on running with his road bike or at the playground with his wife and three children. So welcome, Jason. We're super excited to have you here. Well, thanks so much for such a glowing bio from, from about me. That's just amazing. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Those are some awesome credentials, man. I was yeah. like, what's it like to win? That's, oh, that's so awesome. And it's so fun to like see like your career. I, I think that's the fun thing about like our podcast. A lot of people that have just started running and then you have people like you, Jason, that have like such an extraordinary career of running, like and the experience and the, and the depth of experience that you have to talk about is so fun to talk to you too. So we're, we're jazzed to have you here. We're so excited that we met you this month and that you're here with us today. Yeah, really fun. It was neat standing around a little circle and Scott introduced him to us. And I said, Hey, I know that podcast. I've been listening to Scott's <laughs> podcast for a couple of years, actually one road trip to Missouri, listened to it for five hours uh, before a half marathon. And I'm telling you, you guys need to listen to it. You get tons of good training advice and tips. And Scott just was like, oh, this is my friend, Jason. He didn't even like, be like, oh, this is what he's all about. He's like, this has got my friend, Jason. All you need to know is he's my friend. You don't need to know that he's all, he's done all these other things. It was so funny, but, and then he ran with us for what, how long did you run? You have like a nine or 10 mile, Jason, is that what you did with us? Yeah, you guys did something very impressive and went for 18 miles out at high altitude on those technical trails. I went five miles with you and then turned around. So I yeah. only got in a 10 mile run. That I day. wish I would have done your route, Jason, because I was the crabbiest human being when we got to whatever mile it was like seven. So seven to 12, where it was all uphill and it was just climbing and it took uh, two and a half hours to go five hours. I was not a, a happy human being. And I actually was like, what if I would have just turned around when Jason turned around, that would have been a better idea than what we're doing right now. It was intense. And for me, and, and Chris is the same way I love where it's like the, it's like 1500 feet. That's the, you know, the elevator, you know, and it's totally flat here. So being out there in that high elevation in those Hills was crazy. It was, it, it was crazy. 
Yeah, was, I've never experienced trails like I have here in Colorado. And then when you add in the altitude on top of the technical nature of the trails and, you know, just the, the elevation gain that you're going to experience, it becomes one of the most humbling experiences uh-huh. that you might, you know, ever encounter as a runner up here in, in the mountains of yeah. Colorado. You don't leave there feeling like, oh, I just kicked ass. <laughs> you feel like you no. leave there feeling like you got your ass handed to you. That's how you, so yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a whole different animal. Yeah. So Jason is going to share with us uh, some top training tips, which we thought that would be very beneficial. Many people have said to Carly and I about this podcast that they always learn something or take away something. So this is going to be a big learning one for everybody. Mm -hmm. This will be good, but I feel like we should ask you first. um, You're still running, right? You run regularly every week, You put in a lot of miles, right? Yes. I probably run five or six days a week now, which is, is a far cry from like the eight to 10 times a week I would run back in my peak in my late twenties and early thirties. But you know, now that strength running takes up a lot of my time, my three kids take up a lot of my time. I can't really be running the 80, 90 miles a week like I used to be. So uh, I'm still training for races and, you know, running workouts and strides and long runs and doing dynamic warmups and all the great things that go into training, but it's just all scaled back a little bit. Yeah. So what, how do you find the motivation or the drive to get out the door when you have all these things going on? What gets you out there running? Well, that's a good question. It's almost like what doesn't get me out the door running. I I need to go out there and at least run around for four or five miles a day. If I don't get that, then I'm a very crabby human being. Ah, I'm around me. I'm probably going to be cranky. So I really need running to kind of keep me on the level. That's what I need. And, you know, I'm also just addicted to the sport of running. I love running, even though I don't really have the time or honestly, the drive to really put in the work like I used to, that doesn't mean that, you know, I don't want to go do a long run on the weekends. You know, I'm going to go up to Boulder in here in Colorado and do a great long run this weekend out on the trails. It's going to be amazing training for a half marathon right now. But if you're telling me I have to run 12 or 13 miles, like I did a decade ago, every single day, Ooh, I just don't really have the energy for that anymore. (laughs) Your priorities change. It's like, it's not that you don't want to do it anymore, but your priorities change. And then therefore like that drive to be like, I have to do this every day. It just doesn't feel like it's in your heart anymore when it's like, you have to, like, I couldn't do that either, but never, yeah. I never could do that. Let's hey, that's real. 45, four to five miles a day is good. It probably that's takes you what about right. 20 minutes. Yeah. He's like, let me go for a 20 minute run. Oh, I got six miles. Yeah, just an easy five minute pace, Chris. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, that's whatever that gets you out there and keeps you going. And yeah. and you, you know, that keeps you, you motivated for your clients too. keeps you in the game. So when did you start running, Jason? Like how old were you? Did you run like in like cross country and like middle school and stuff too? I'm someone who started running as a freshman in high school. So I wanted to start a fall sport. I almost went out for the golf team, which might've dramatically changed the trajectory of my life. But I wanted to do cross country because my mom actually told me it was like track. And I thought that I could go and high jump because I had no interest in running whatsoever. I actually 
actively avoided all of the running events during track and field week in middle school. And so I was like the 105 pound little kid throwing the shot put during track and field (laughs) week, (laughs) not trying to run. And so I showed up to that first cross country practice in long mesh shorts, basketball shoes. And I quickly found out that not only is it a lot of running, it's all running. There's only jumping. (laughs) There are no field events whatsoever. And so, yeah, that day I struggled to get through a 2.9 mile run. I still remember it like it was yesterday. I had to walk so many times. Uh, It it was something that I I thought it took all day. I mean, it was probably like 30, 35 minutes, but it, it felt like I was out there for hours. It felt like one of the hardest physical things I've ever done. And so I very much remember what it's like to be a very new runner going out for that first run. And then after that first run, you felt like you've been hit by a truck for, you know, the next week. And so, yeah, I started in the fall of 1998 and, and then went on to run cross country, indoor track, outdoor track for all three seasons for all four years in high school and then in college. And then when I graduated college, I just kept thinking to myself, wait a minute, that's it. I still want to do this. I still want to run fast. I still, you know, I haven't run a half marathon. I haven't run a marathon. I haven't run a 10 K I graduated college without running a 10 K. I mean, that was way too long for me at the time. I didn't want to, uh, you know, go do 25 laps on the track. That's not my idea of a good time, but ultimately it became something that was so deeply ingrained in me that, you know, I was getting up at five in the morning to run before work or, you know, just really putting in the effort to, to try to be the best runner that I could, because I just love it so much. I think I got hooked on progress and improvement mm-hmm. and just seeing results after I put in the work. And, and I like that. That's At awesome. what point did this turn to coaching for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think when I graduated college, I was a little directionless as a lot of people are right after college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I did know that I wanted to do something with running. I didn't know if that was coaching. I didn't know what opportunities there were just in the whole running industry of what I might be able to do, but I was still so much in love with the sport that I wanted to be involved with it. And so I randomly bought the strengthrunning.com domain name back in 2007 because I thought it sounded cool. And, Mm -hmm. and I stand by that decision. I think it does sound pretty cool. Yeah, it does. It does. (laughs) But Yeah. And then, and then from there, I think I was like, okay, I might want to do some coaching and let me do it online. It's a little bit more accessible for folks. It's a little bit more approachable for me, the coach. And then, you know, it organically sort of grew over time. And I started the strength running blog back in 2010. And, uh, I think within six or seven months, I was working with my first runner and I guess the rest is history. It really grew from there. And it yeah, really you, helps that that was yeah. like the time frame that running exploded. I mean, like, mm-hmm. right. That's what they say. There was like that. There was like a 15 year, there's been like a 15 year window of like, when you, they should like show data of like how many people had run a marathon in X and X year. And then all of a sudden it just like has exploded in the United States. What a good, good time to get in there, Jason. Cause it feels like that was the time that everybody just kind of started running. It's crazy. Yeah. I wrote the marathon guys. wave. And then I think I also yeah. rode the blogging wave at the yeah. same time. That's and it was so smart, smart to buy the, the domain. That was really a smart move on your part. Yeah. Well, you have, you have a lot of experience, so I'm sure people are going to love hearing your tips. So 
you can give them to us in any order you want. What do, what do you think are the top five training tips? Yeah. So I want to talk about some of the ways in which first time ultra runners can think better about how they prepare for an ultra marathon. And so if you're a first timer, you're probably going to run a 50 K maybe a 50 mile race. Most people aren't going to do a hundred miler for their first ultra. That might be a little bit too much for them to, to bite off at one time. Um, but I think the number one thing to remember, and, and this comes from my experience working with a lot of runners and not just that, but also just answering a lot of runners questions. I've really found over the years that, you know, when you get five or 10 questions a day, every day, you really get a picture of like what runners are thinking about. And I think the number one problem that a lot of runners have is that their goals are realistic, but the time frame in which they are wanting to achieve them is not realistic. And so I can't tell you how many times someone has emailed me saying, I'd like to run my first marathon. And my current long runs about eight or nine miles. Can you write me a plan? This marathon is in eight weeks. And I have to tell them, whoa, whoa, you know, (laughs) let's take a step back. You don't have enough time to get ready for a marathon. I mean, you, you are basically trying to run almost three times the distance that your body is currently capable of on the road, which has its own, you know, issues with it being a little hard on your body. And you basically have to increase your volume and your long run and the overall intensity of your training so substantially over the next, you know, eight or nine weeks that you're just going to get hurt. And so I think runners have to give themselves enough time to get in shape for the training, not necessarily for the race, but you, you know, you'll notice that there's a couch to 5k program that exists there is no couch to marathon program. And there is certainly not a couch to ultra program. And that's because going from sedentary, not exercising, not being a runner to someone who can go run 26.2 miles, never mind someone who can do it at a quick pace or or anything longer than that, that is a tall order. And so I think runners really need to, to slow down a little bit to focus on the training process, not just on the big, exciting goals that they want to achieve, but really, you know, be honest with themselves. What kind of work is going to be necessary to accomplish these goals? And then giving yourself the time needed to do that work. You know, I've uh, talked to a lot of runners when, when, uh, you know, they, they might look at, you know, my first marathon and be like, oh my goodness, how did you run that your first time out? It's like, well, I had been running 18, 19 miles for a long run for years and years without ever running a marathon. And so the jump from where I was at to being able to compete in a marathon really wasn't that big. And and I think that's the big shift in thinking that I want runners to, to, to think about is, well, if I'm in good shape pretty much all the time, that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing brutally hard workouts every week, but you're, you're simply competent with running then you're going to be able to kind of slide into a marathon plan an ultra marathon plan. And you don't really need to prepare too much for the training itself. But Mm -hmm. I would say minimum four to five months to prepare for an ultra. If you're someone who's already comfortable running, you know, maybe 11, 12, 13 miles for a long run. But if you're not comfortable with those kinds of double digit long runs, then you probably don't have time to even start an ultra marathon training plan, which are generally speaking, probably somewhere between 16 and maybe 24 weeks. Although at that point you start getting into just super long, you know, almost six month long training cycles. And that's just difficult. Yeah. 
That's, that's a really good point. And I think people often think when they're done with this, the training, they're just going to be so fit and so fast. And it's not really the case. I mean, sometimes like I'm getting ready to do my third 50 K in a year. And I look back at where I was when, with my first one. And I, I really, I'm in much better shape now with a lot more training and, you know, it makes me kind of think, well, I wish I would have had more time. It does take a long time. You're putting in a lot of miles and trying not to get injured. That's so, right. And, and I think too, it's important to think about, you know, your past experience with exercise, not just running, mm-hmm. but you know, how yeah. active you were as, uh, as a younger person, how active you've been in the last six months to a year to a couple of years, because, you know, if you've spent three years getting out of shape, you really can't expect to get in shape in three months. Ooh, that's a great point. Yeah. We, and we all blindly think we can do that. That's a really good point. I'm, I'm glad you said that. You get, and you know, somebody else, it might've been Ian Sharman said, you know, he said, anybody can run an ultra. Some people, it may take, you know, two, three years to get there but they can get there. You have to be realistic about where you're at and, and the time frame. Right. Yeah, that's, that's so important. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the way I think about it is you're basically climbing a mountain and, and accomplishing that ultra marathon is the summit. Now, some people start at the very bottom of that mountain because they're not used to running. Their fitness mm-hmm. level isn't very high, but some people, you know, they might already be running 60 miles in a week and very comfortable with a 15 mile long run. And so they're already halfway up the mountain. They don't have to go as far, but you really have to be honest with yourself and just be real about where you are in that process and how much time it's going to take you to finally get to your desired outcome, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can do it as long as you give yourself enough time Mm -hmm. and the time. Yeah takes a long time. <laughs> a, sure lot does. Weekend, a lot of weekends. Lots of weekend long runs. That's yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that's, that is a great tip a great to start off with sure. because that's, if you, if you can't get that down, then you really can't go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so if you do give yourself enough time to prepare and so, okay, you're, you're comfortable running maybe 30 miles a week. You're, you're running a double digit long run. You know, you have five-ish months to get ready for this upcoming 50K. You register for the race. You're like, okay, I'm doing it. I am Mm -hmm. doing this. I'm giving myself enough time. I actually listened to Jason on that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the next thing to recognize is that you shouldn't put the race on a pedestal. Don't think that it's so much more difficult than a marathon, because if you're training for a 50K, you know, it's less than five miles longer than Mm -hmm. a marathon. And I would, I think the majority of 50 K's are off-road, which actually I think does make them a little bit slower, but Mm -hmm. makes them a lot easier on your body. Now, I certainly wouldn't recommend someone do what I did, which was sign up for their first 50 K here in Colorado. There was almost 8,000 feet of elevation gain and loss in the 50 K. And I had to drop out uh, about 17, 18 miles in with a knee injury because my body just couldn't handle like basically running down a flight of stone steps for two miles. Like my, my body just broke (laughs) after that. Um, but recognizing that, you know, these 50 K races 
are not as challenging as you think they are. I think someone's like, oh, a marathon's impossible. And an ultra marathon is something that I couldn't even fathom doing. But I, I think what the marathon boom over the last 10 to 20 years showed us is that pretty much anyone can go run a marathon. Mm -hmm. As long as you, again, give yourself the time to prepare and you prepare intelligently, you're going to be able to do it. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy, but you know, I think a lot of people put the ultra on this pedestal. And, and frankly, I think I do too. You know, I've actually never finished an ultra marathon. I had that one DNF. Uh, then I had two more kids and it's just been kind of chaos over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very different chaos than the aid station chaos you might see in a, in a 50 yeah. K, but chaos nonetheless. Um, but with that said, you know, I think I could go train for an ultra and, and, mm -hmm. and in five months I could go finish one. And that's because I've, I'm starting to get over this idea that ultra marathons are this whole different type of running that I'm never going to be able to master, you know, because frankly, I've had a lot of people tell me, Jason, you're a halfway decent runner. You, you can go run a 50 K it's, it's just not a problem. And I think a lot of times we put expectations on ourselves yeah. or, we, we blow up the importance or the scale of the problem or, you know, how difficult something might actually be in our minds when, again, you put in the work, you're going to be able to do it. And you can always scale your effort down a little bit. You can always set tiers of goals so that you're not, you know, trying to go for a fast time in your 50K. Maybe you're just trying to finish. Maybe you're just trying to have a good time. You're trying to get as many high fives as you can during the hey, course of the race. That's what I'm trying to do in two weeks. Hell That's yeah. My goal. Seriously. <laughs> and that beer at the finish line. Seriously. I told Carly today, I'm in this one for the fun. Yeah. But yeah. You, we were just talking about it. Cause I, I decided very last minute to run in Virginia at um, Basie and I had just gone back to my marathon coach. So obviously when I was on my season becoming ultra, Ian was my coach and he's an ultra trainer and I had already switched back to my regular marathon coach and I didn't want to switch, but like, I just did, it was very short notice. So I just told my marathon coach, I was like, Will you just train me for this? Just train me for a marathon. Keep me doing my speed work. Just give me really long, slow runs on the weekend. I told Chris, I'm like, I'm going to be, I, it'll be a totally different beast because I did not train at all the same way as I did for Smith Rock, but I'm just there for to have the experience. I don't, we just talked about like, I love that you just said, don't put it on a podium or on a pedestal because it's so true. It's like, it's just another race. It's just a few more miles in a marathon. What's the big deal? And I think that sometimes that helps you with the mental aspect of getting over that hump of knowing that you can do it. And, you know, I think that so much of running is mental and not physical. So I feel like if you can get over that hump, you already have won the game a little bit, right? Yeah, totally. And you know, sometimes those shorter races are, are even more intimidating than the longer races because yeah, in longer races, you're just out there and you can run and, and that's really all you have to do. Yeah. But if you're running a mile or even a 5k, there's going to be a lot of pressure on yourself to, to run fast mm -hmm. and seconds matter in those races where you don't have to be as anxious about seconds in a 50 K or, or a different type of ultra, you know, you can slow down a little bit. You can be a little bit kinder to yourself about walking or, you know, having a, a more substantial power hiking, snack. Jason, power hiking, power <laughs> hiking. right. Let me we use the ultra approved. We terminology don't call it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That, that's like me saying jogging instead of running. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> you can linger at the aid stations and check out all the snacks. Yeah. They're fun. 
we're in a marathon. You do not start. You like, no. I, I said this, I've said this before, Jason, that was the biggest change for me from road running to training for an ultra. It's like, you don't walk when you're running a marathon or like a half marathon. Like you do not walk. Like there's no walking involved in the training process or the running process. And then running an ultra, it's like, yeah. no, you need, this would be a dumb time to be running. You should be a power hiking. I'm like, excuse me. What? Like it's just changing your mindset of that whole thing. That's so funny. The ultra approved term power, power hiking. I love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I've, I, you know, I've done half marathons where I would not even walk through the, the water stops. I would grab my stuff and keep running. I would, you know, eat my goo on the run. I would never walk because, you know, you, on the road, you just don't walk and you're always trying to get that time. Yeah. I remember racing a half marathon and I finished one second slower than my personal best. And I couldn't help, but think about mile nine, when I looked behind me to see if there was anyone behind there, oh. and I stutter stepped a little bit. And then I had to run over, you know, around a puddle and that's where the second went oh. right there. <laughs> and so, yeah, in those short road races, you are worrying about seconds. There's more worrying, there is more anxiety. And, you know, if you're a more performance oriented runner where the time matters to you, you know, no matter what your ability level is, you just care about the time. Uh, that's just less prevalent in ultra running. And I think that that makes it a little bit easier to wrap your head around. It makes it a little bit kinder. You know, you're, you're not just putting these, uh, undue expectations on yourself. And for that reason, I, I think we should, you know, let, let's take ultra down from the pedestal. Let's yes. recognize that, you know, it's just a whole different sort of animal and, and that's okay. That's great. That is a good mental tidbit right there. Now I do want to talk more about the actual training, but I think those were good sort of intro uh, mindsets for folks. Uh, But I think a lot of times when people run ultras, uh, a mistake is to not do any speed work. And so if I'm ever writing a training plan for an ultra runner or or coaching someone who's going to be running an ultra marathon, we're still going to be doing faster workouts. Mm -hmm. And I think the value and the benefit of those workouts is a little bit more broad than if you were talking about, say, a 5K athlete. Like, obviously, the 5K is a short event. It's very fast. You have to do the workouts or else, you know, your training is, is just nowhere close to the pace that you're trying to run in the race. Whereas that just doesn't really exist in ultra running, where even your easy running pace might be faster than your overall average pace in an ultra. So you might ask yourself, well, why even bother doing the speed work? You know, what is, what is actual the, actually the purpose of doing it? And well, when you think about it, better runners are going to be faster runners and you become a better runner by training. There is no training program on the planet that doesn't include some, some type of faster running. Faster running is going to make you into a better runner. It's going to make you more competent, more capable out there on the trail or the road, wherever your ultra marathon is. And, you know, you're going to be helping with things like running economy. You're going to be helping with your heart's, you know, stroke volume, the ability of your heart to just pump a ton of blood with every single stroke. And if you're only running easy, if you're only doing, you know, those sort of, you know, recovery runs most days, you're not really going to get that extra fitness. And so Mm -hmm. it's a way to get a little bit more from your training to put yourself in 
you know, a, a higher fitness level. And the better your fitness level is, the easier that 50K is going to feel, the better you're going to perform and the more enjoyable experience you're going to have just because you're going to be better trained. And so it's just mm -hmm. not going to be as, as painful or uh, as, you know, you're not going to experience as much discomfort. Because I know whenever I've been less than ideally prepared for a race, the race isn't as fun. I would rather be mm -hmm. in better shape because then- right you know, I'm not worrying about my fitness. I can then use my fitness to my advantage. And that yeah. is such a powerful feeling. It's such a fun feeling. And I want more runners to experience that. And so, you know, even if that is just a fairly easy or simple workout once a week, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then of course, you know, kind of separate from workouts are strides. And I know I briefly mentioned strides earlier, but I love strides, which are basically accelerations. You know, you started a jog, build up to about 95, 98% of your maximum, and you coast to a stop. It's almost like a fun speed oriented drill that you're, you would do after mm -hmm. an easy run. And I think these are so fundamental to distance running. You know, you can go watch a junior varsity cross country runner in middle school doing strides. You can go watch an Olympian before a track race doing strides and everyone in between marathoners, ultra runners strides is a way of is almost a way of playing with speed. You get to experiment with speed without making it difficult. And I think that is the huge differentiation that ultra runners in particular have to remember that you can run fast without it being hard. So let's separate fast running from hard running. Strides are fast, but they're not hard. Mm -hmm. Three times a mile on the track at your 5k pace is fast and it's really hard. And so yeah. we can separate the two, get runners comfortable with running really fast, get them just feeling competent and capable at those higher speeds. And that's going to translate to their workouts. It's going to improve their running economy. It's going to really give them a lot of confidence too, which I think is, is a big important piece of this ultra marathon puzzle is, is kind of convincing runners that they can go do this. And part mm -hmm. of that is by respecting their physical fitness and getting them into the best possible shape. And I think strides are uh, a part of that. Definitely. I love that makes speed. a lot of sense. Yeah. I do. I, I appreciate speed work, this yeah. whole training cycle, but would you agree that speed work is also mental work? Like it, it builds that mental toughness because, mm -hmm. and I say that because that is the thing that I have noticed on this training cycle, because Scott is my coach and he puts speed in every week and mentally it's helped me so much. He, he, he actually has told me before, don't use your music and don't look at your watch. Just use your brain to push through on these track workouts. And I, I have, a, I've, it's been very beneficial. Would you agree with that? Yes. Scott is a smart man. Yeah, that is <laughs> very, very smart because, you know, I do think that like running in itself is, is mindset work is mental training because mm -hmm. you're going to develop different types of mental fitness and different psychological skills from just running an easy effort the day after a long run, when you're really tired and maybe your glycogen stores are a bit low, you're going to gain some of that mental toughness when you go do a long run. And, you know, maybe miles 17 or seven through 12 are entirely uphill in that 18 mile run at altitude, you know, that yeah. requires a certain amount of mental toughness. And then I think the track work or, or any kind of speed work is where you develop a lot of other types of mental skills. And yeah. in particular, faster running is uniquely stressful because it really kind of puts your body in this 
this almost this like this threat to homeostasis. And so your brain freaks out a little bit. And so part of what we're doing in any faster workout is conditioning the brain to recognize that we're not actually threatening our body's homeostasis. We're not going to die. We're, we're going to be just fine. It's very uncomfortable, but it's a temporary and, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, a relatively minor discomfort that we're experiencing. Uh, but of course, we all know that our brain can blow up those feelings of discomfort into uh, life-threatening, you know, yes. types of things where every dark thought imaginable creeps yes. into your head. And so, yes. you know, <laughs> learning to deal with those little voices, learning to accept it and embrace it and address all those little problems that you have in, in a race or workout situation when you're trying to run hard, you know, that mental toughness is certainly going to help you in an ultra marathon, you know, apart from all the, the physical benefits. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to be a faster runner. Your heart's going to be more powerful. Your running economy is going to be improved, but your mental toughness is also going to be much more improved. And, you know, a mile 28 of that ultra that's going to come in handy. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. feel like there's nothing better than like getting a workout, like looking at the workout on your phone and be like, I am going to get my ass handed to me. And then doing the workout and having completed it successfully, yeah. is like the best high ever. I mean, like, Oh my God, I cannot believe I did that. I did it. Like, I just feel like there's something about that feeling of like doing a great workout, a workout, especially a speed workout and being successful at it. That feeling of like accomplishment afterwards is like such a confidence boost too, on top of everything else. It's probably all those hormones, right? Like happening from doing a workout, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You get the runner's high right after yeah. the workout. And then when you're looking over the stats, you just get that jolt of confidence yeah. And yes. I guess that's what, that's what being a runner is like. It's like the, yeah. the highs of those experience <laughs> yeah. combined with the lows of the fear, dread, and anxiety yes. that you have before the workout. I mean, this reminds yeah. me of, of like every week of my running career, practically, <laughs> where I would be both terrified and so happy with myself, you know, almost every day because I was like, oh my God, I got to run twice today. Oh my God, I'm doing a 22 mile run. Oh, this workout is just going to be impossible and I'm not going to be able to walk afterward. But slowly and very gradually, you start to do those very difficult things and you get to a point where you're not scared of that very much anymore. And of course you get anxious and, and, and all that, but it's, it's a mental muscle. And by working mm -hmm. it repeatedly, you get pretty good at suffering, at dealing with those feelings and, and pushing through them. Yeah. yeah. Sure. You just know it's coming and you can get through it. The worst thing is you puke. Okay. You just get, get up and move on. You know, it's so weird too, because running, you know, when you're doing these trainings, you can have like a really bad run. Like yesterday was a horrible run for me. And today was the complete opposite. I was so much faster. I was even doing strides in my miles and having a blast. And I don't know what the, I cannot figure out what the difference is on days like that. I don't know. I, I say today it was my music, but I don't know. <laughs> you well, know? if you figure I, it out, I, I want you to let me know because I, I haven't wanna, either. I know. Oh, it's man, just, I feel this. I mean, like Chris, my, my fastest half marathon, like was, I feel like I was out of my mind. Like I finished and I was like, I don't even, 
I don't even know what I have. I'm like smiling and giving high fives the whole time. And I finished and I like PR'd by like three or four minutes. And then afterwards I obsessed about it. You guys, I was like, how did that happen? So I went back and like journaled everything I ate for like the two days beforehand. And I was like, how much sleep did I have? What did I have that morning? Cause it's like, we like are always like wanting to recreate those perfect situations and figure out how that even came to be like, yes, exactly. It's like, what's the secret sauce? I don't know. It couldn't be. I'm assuming that if I did the exact same thing again and ate the same thing and slept the same, I would not have the same result. Like who knows why all that stuff happens, right? Like somebody needs to come up with the answer. You're the coach. You tell us why. Yeah, Jason, you're the coach. <laughs> you tell us. Well, my, my, my educated hunch is that it's a combination of your training being just on point. And I don't mean like, you know, you're training well and you're in good shape, but it's structured in a way where, you know, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have good days. But if your coach is smart, he's hopefully, or she is hopefully uh, structuring it in a way that is almost guessing at how you're going to feel. Like that's why you don't do two workouts on two successive days. Not only are you going to get hurt, you're just going to feel like crap on that second day. Mm -hmm. And so by by building kind of that rhythm of energy into the training plan, hopefully they're putting you in a position where you just feel good on race day. And then there's also those little things that kind of make you feel a little bit better. Things like, you know, doing strides the day before a race, those kind of prime you to be, you know, in a peak performance kind of a, a situation the next day. I think part of it is sleep. You're probably just well-rested. Yeah. I've noticed too that, you know, my, my three-year-old loves to get up at five or five thirty in the morning, much to my dismay. And on days where he, you know, I, I don't necessarily go to bed super early, and then he gets up even earlier than usual. I'm just kind of wrecked for the day, and and yeah. I need to really be cognizant of the fact that I could lose almost an entire day of productivity and have a poor workout if I'm not getting the sleep that I need. So I think sleep is a huge part of it, and then I think too is is the mental piece. Uh, you know, are, you said you were having a good time yeah. and I think that's the key right there. You were having a good time doing something hard that is not easy to do. And, yeah. and that really resonates with me because, you know, I think back to some of my best races and it was when I wanted to run hard. I just wanted it so bad. And, you know, it starts to get uncomfortable. You start to feel those familiar feelings of race related pain and fatigue and your, your muscles are burning, but I wanted more of it. I felt mm -hmm. that. And, and I thought to myself, good, this means I'm running well, because if mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling these things, then that means I should be going faster. And so those times in which I have embraced the reality of, you know, of the suck of the fact that yes. it's not very fun sometimes and, and almost in a sick way, wanted more of it is when I've raced the best. And, and I think you just described a similar situation. Yeah. too. I, that, I think you hit the nail on the head with that, having a good time doing something hard. I think that, and what there might be some external things that helped you have that good time. But I think that's what happened to me today. I was having a blast out there. I even ran an extra mile. I mean, it, you know, and I was just having fun and it, it was hard, but it was fun. So yeah, that, that's a really good point. And you know what, Chris, you couldn't have done that if you didn't give yourself the time to do it. You needed the time to get in shape enough where yes. not only would you feel good in your workout, but you felt so good that you could just go do another mile. Yes. You've only been running for oh. a month or you're yeah. training for your first race. 
you would never have experienced that feeling because you simply didn't give yourself enough time to get into the fitness level needed where you could actually have fun doing something hard. Yeah. Because if you don't wow. have the fitness level to do it, it's never going to happen. I never made that connection. That That's very interesting to me. And you're totally right. I actually did say, though, to my running partner, I understand the science behind Scott's method here. I can see how this is all coming together. And that, and I hadn't said that before. Not to give Scott <laughs> too much credit here. No, we just, well, he's got a hard time. No, but I mean, I, I, I do trust his process, but yes. I, I felt like today I'm like, okay, you know, I, it's, it's always made sense, but I really feel like it's starting yeah. to come together. So yeah, that's a really good point. And people, once again, people give yourself the time. Don't give yourself someone else's time limit or your even maybe even your training partners. You it's an individual thing and a good coach like Jason can help you figure out what's realistic and what's logical for and you. Get a coach. It's like the best money you'll ever spend 100%. Like it yeah. has completely changed my running in the last few years to have a coach. It's just it's like night and day. It's it's not I think so many people are just like, well, you can just go out and run. I, I have said this before in other podcasts. I used to be like, every day I ran the same distance at the same pace. I had no idea, like hard days, hard, easy days, easy, 80, 20. I didn't do speed work. I did none of that. And I think that having a coach will really just change that. Not only like the fundamentals, but like the mental aspect of really encouraging you on what you need while you're running and everything. So get a coach for sure get one. <laughs> that message is coach approved. Yes. Coach approved. No, no, is that going to be number four training tip? Get a coach. No, I'm <laughs> well, it's certainly not a tip that's probably going to hurt you. It probably yeah. would only help you. Um, no, I think my, my other tip too, is, uh, if we want to move on, my next one is to be diligent with strength training. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of runners, particularly ultra runners, I think, the longer distances that runners tend to focus on, the more and more they tend to ignore strength training. And, you know, with, with a website like strength running, I've sort of been come to be known as like the running coach who's always talking about strength training. Mm. And I consider strength training to be so such an important part of runners training that I don't even like to talk about it as cross training. Strength training yeah. is not cross training. It is just part of the training that you do as a runner if you want to achieve your potential. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that I consider a performance multiplier. So there's very little downside. If you're doing the right thing, it's really hard to get hurt in the weight room, you know, if, if you're lifting reasonable weight. Uh, but it has outsized benefits for you, numerous outsized benefits, everything from improving your running economy to making you into a more durable athlete who can, you know, handle the volume that's going to be necessary for training for an, for an ultra marathon. You know, I was actually very impressed that all you guys went and ran like 18 miles, uh, with a lot of, uh, power hiking. I'll use the right term this time Yeah, yeah. at, at the running camp earlier this, this month, because, I was thinking to myself, I couldn't do that. I would probably get hurt if I tried to, you know, run that much. And, and I think it's a function of just me be, not being strong enough for that kind of a run. And so if you think about strength training as a tool that you can use that will then enable you to do more of what you love, which is running, then it is a very worthwhile investment in your training. Um, and, and, you know, for ultra runners in particular, where you have to be on your feet for a very long time, you know, you're probably going to do things like 
you know, things I like to call over distance long runs where you might run much longer than 20 miles. You might do back to back long runs. You might just have generally high weekly mileage levels, uh, not necessarily, but you might. And to be able to, to do that competently without injury and, and to feel better doing it, strength training is a huge part of that. And so I feel like I've been sort of fighting an uphill battle, trying to get runners to, you know, think uh, about strength training more seriously, but I do feel like it's starting to come full circle now. And I think a lot of runners are recognizing that they have to do strength training. It's not a nice to have, it's a must have. And, you know, part of the, the mindset shift that I think is really important for runners is, you know, I don't care if you're a hundred mile ultra runner. I don't want you to consider yourself a runner. You are an athlete that specializes in running, but at the beginning of it all, you know, ultimately you are an athlete. And so that kind of, that, I mean, a lot of folks might be like, oh, that's just semantics, but I think it's really important because if you're an athlete, you're not just going to run. You're not just going to lift weights. You're not mm -hmm. just going to throw a ball. You're going to be doing a lot of different things in your training. You are going to be lifting weights. You are going to be running. You're going to be running fast. You might be doing form drills. You might be doing, uh, uh, you know, dynamic warm-up exercises beforehand. And so all of these things help you become a better athlete, more coordination, more proprioception, better balance. That is of course going to help you in, in any race situation, not just an ultra marathon race situation. Mm -hmm. um, but primarily I think strength training is, it should be in any runner's program for the injury prevention benefits, because you know, running is a hard sport, right? <laughs> it's really hard. And the injury rate is also very high. You know, I would say, you know, depending on the study that you're looking for somewhere between 50 and 75% of runners are going to get an injury every year. Mm -hmm. And that's insane. That's higher than professional football. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think a lot of runners don't consider running a contact sport. You know, it's like, oh, you're not touching anyone, but it is an impact sport. You are, you slam it against the ground, you know, uh, hundreds of times a minute. And so you need to guard against that. You need to make yourself more durable. You need to make sure that you have the strength to handle all those impact forces and then be able to run long, run frequently and run fast sometimes. What Jason, yeah. what do you think it is that keeps people from, um, strength training that are runners? Do you think it's this idea that they're going to get big and I think it's time? I don't I Yeah. Think there's a lot of objections to strength training. Yeah. Uh, if, runners are more like me. It's that they don't want to do it. They would rather be out there running. Yeah. And I'll be the first one to say that yeah. I don't love strength training. I just, I'm a runner through and through. I just want to be running most of the time, mm -hmm. but again, it helps me do more of what I love. And so I'm going to, you know, mm -hmm. almost put strength training on a pedestal a little bit yeah. <laughs> and, and, and really focus on it. Um, I do think a lot of runners, uh, particularly women have this fear that they're going to bulk up. And that's sort of like the power lifter saying, Ooh, I don't want to run a couple miles a few times a week because I might become a sub five minute miler. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen guys. If we lift, I love it. We lift weights while we're running. We're not going to get bigger. Now we might change our body composition a little bit. We might like, you know, lose three pounds of fat, put on four pounds of muscle and you gained a pound but you were going to look so much better in that kind of a situation. But more often than not, 
you know, the, the, all the energy you're taking in, all the calories you're taking in, they have to go somewhere. Right. And for most of us, it goes to fuel our metabolism. It fuels our training and for bodybuilders, it fuels muscle growth. We are not, not doing any cardio like bodybuilders. We're doing a fair amount of cardio. And so that is, is almost the, the opposite side of the spectrum in terms of like what exercise is going to do to your body from running bodybuilding so different. And so running is sort of going to prevent you from putting on a lot of weight. Now, not only that, but runners shouldn't be lifting like bodybuilders in the gym. You know, bodybuilders lift five or six days a week. They spend a lot of time in the gym and they isolate muscles. They have mm -hmm. a, you know, buys and tries day. They have a leg day. They have a, you know, a back day, you know, all these things that most athletes have heard. All that language comes from the bodybuilding space, but runners instead should be focusing on strength and power. Now, mm -hmm. if you're focusing on strength, it's, it means you're lifting more like a power lifter. You're basically trying to like lift as much weight as you can. Now, of course, you're not doing that in every workout, just like you're not trying to run as fast as you can in, yeah. in every run, but that's ultimately the goal. And, you know, that doesn't require five or six days in the gym. That doesn't require two and a half hour long workouts. You know, I think ideal strength training for runners would look something like two gym days a week where you're spending 45 to 60 minutes lifting weight in the gym, you know, with a strength and power focus. And then the other days, you know, after your run, you're doing, you know, maybe 10 or 20 minutes of more body weight oriented type of, of strength training, uh, even some dynamic flexibility exercises, some mobility work. And that's really there more for injury prevention reasons. You know, a lot of those exercises are taken from the worlds of physical therapy. Um, and there's so many routines that, that I've put together at strength running, um, like the ITV rehab routine, which is a hip and glute oriented, uh, strength workout, the standard core routine, which I consider my bread and butter core workout for runners. And if you're injured, you probably have recognized some of these exercises. They're like, Oh, I did that. And you know, uh, in the doctor's office, trying to get my knee back on track. And if we can do some of that work when we're healthy, then mm -hmm. it's no longer rehab. It's prehab. We're actually yeah. proactively working on, you know, the, the firing patterns and the muscle recruitment and the strength gains, of course, that you get from some of these exercises that are super helpful for runners. Are so, you, Jason, are you a proponent of like, uh, high reps, low weight or, um, low reps, higher weight? Like how do you usually, what, what angle do you take for runners or does it just depend? So that's more like a weightlifting question, not like yeah. the body weight stuff, Yeah, the body weight stuff. You're probably going to do high reps yes, uh, just yes. because by definition you're doing low weight. It's just yeah, your exactly. body weight. Yep. So when you are in the gym and you're lifting weight, um, if you're doing high reps, low weight, you're lifting for endurance. Your, your, yeah. your goal is muscular endurance. Yes. I don't think runners should lift that way yeah. because we are getting so much of an endurance stimulus every time we go out there running, you know, we're running long runs. We're running most days of the week. We're doing faster workouts. Almost all of our exercise is oriented toward endurance. When we're in the gym, we need to focus on strength and power. And so a rep scheme for strength and power, you know, we'll, we'll sort of look like, you know, maybe three sets of 10 reps at the very beginning. And that's more general strength. 
That's more getting comfortable with the movement. That's more like, you know, just kind of setting the foundation. It's almost like base training for running, except it's base training for weightlifting in the gym. And then, you know, as you progress throughout your season, you can add weight. You can start reducing the repetitions as you're adding weight. You can start adding in some more explosive power oriented exercises, like um, maybe some Olympic lifts. Uh, you start adding in plyometrics, which really plyometrics are interesting. It's, it's sort of like a strength exercise. It's sort of like a drill. Plyos really help you utilize the strength and power that you already have. You know, they're not going to really make you stronger, but they're going to make you more efficient with what you've already got. And so mm -hmm. we can add in plyos sort of in the maybe halfway to near the end of a strength training program. And that really helps, you know, sharpen our fitness, improves our economy, really helps us utilize more of the fitness that we've gained in the weight room. So that's how I would kind of describe ideal strength training for runners. If, if I had to, you know, and you can kind of see this at play with a lot of pro runners, you know, they're doing a lot of body weight stuff. They're doing a lot of mobility work every single day, but a couple of days of the week, they do go in the gym and they do start throwing around some big weights. And that's because, you know, they need to be powerful too. I mean, even like a, a 10,000 meter runner, that's a fairly long race at 6.2 miles, but have you ever watched an Olympic 10,000 meter race or, or a diamond league race where those guys might close the last mile in four flat yeah. and their last 400 meter 400 meters of the race might be 53 seconds. Mm -hmm. You can't do that if you're not a powerful person. And a lot of that is gained in the weight room. And so of course, you know, you don't need to close a 50 K in a 53 second quarter. <laughs> that would be just amazing to watch, but it's still going to really help you in an ultra marathon. It's still going to help with, you know, your efficiency. It's still going to help you going up any big Hills that might be in your ultra. It, it's just super important. It's going to make you into a, a much better, well-rounded athlete. Yeah. I think that is critical. And I can attest to the strength training on this training cycle. Scott's had me do a lot of strength training. I am not injured. This is the first 50 K I've trained for and not been injured. Like the, the nagging injuries I always get, they are not there. It's it's, um, and we're two weeks out. So I think I'm good. And it's, and I would say it's the strength. The load hasn't been like crazy off the charts. Like I was, did before, but it's enough and it, no injuries. So, and I, I'm going to say it's the strength training. So yeah, I feel I, like, I think, I think that's right. And you know I what think, you're doing, Chris, is you're building the capacity now for yeah. more running in the future. Right. So, and that was my goal. Yeah. It's great. I, I told Scott, I go, I want to do this 50 K. I don't want to kill it. I don't want to die, but I want you to get me to a point where I can keep running and stop being injured and be stronger and climb and everything. And, um, that's what we're doing. And when you were saying all that stuff, it occurred to me really strength training to me is also a progression like running is, you know, you got to keep building it and keep working on it and keep getting stronger. You know, there's no end game. I don't think you just keep getting stronger and taking on the next goal. Right. So. It's very much like running in that way in that you progress, yeah. you move mm -hmm. from, you know, one spot to the next spot and you kind of evolve over time. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, like if you're a runner and you just start running and you're running 15 miles a week, 
well, if you never progress beyond that, you're never going to become a better runner. And, and I right. think the same is true with weightlifting, with, you know, just lifting heavier weight or doing more complicated exercises or mm-hmm. being more consistent with strength training. There's a lot of different ways that you can sort of progress your journey with strength training, but mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and I think, you know, that's very big picture, very broad, but we can even look at a single season and, and say that, you know, in an ideal world, your strength training will be periodized the same way that your running is periodized. Mm-hmm. You know, you sort of have base training at the beginning, then it starts, you start adding in speed work, it gets more complicated, but then by the end, you know, you're taking away volume while maintaining some of that intensity and, mm-hmm. you know, and then with strength training, you can start adding in plyometrics. That's sort of like adding in even faster speed work, and then you get yourself to a peak performance situation. And so you know, a, a couple of years ago, I worked with a strength coach who works with a couple of elite runners here in Colorado uh, at creating a strength program for runners. And it looks like a running plan. It kind of blew my mind in the way that he structured it because it it has four phases, sort of like, you know, micro cycles within a training plan. And there's different focuses and things gradually change over time and they build toward this you know, higher intensity, more power oriented peak phase. And it is just from a, my runner's perspective, it is so fascinating to look at the details of strength training and, and see so many parallels because I look at power lifters and I look at runners, they are way more similar than they are different. We both are trying to maximize a very simple physical skill. Runners want to run the fastest that they can power lifters want to lift as much as they can. And the way that you go about those things is, is, is very different, but the big principles are exactly the same. And I love that. Yeah. That's really interesting. You, you know, you really just have to look at what you like, obviously we are big advocates of running and we think it's great for mental health and health and, and, you know, but you got to kind of think, what do I want out of running and how am I going to get there and stay there as I get older? So I think strength can, I think the strength training is very important. Like you said, I'm glad you you said that. And you brought up something I haven't even mentioned, which is, you know, running as you get older. Um, Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing I would tell runners, you know, who are, you know, maybe about to turn 40, they're becoming a master's athlete, you know, maybe they're in their fifties or sixties. And, you know, at that point I would say it's, it's, you know, 10 times more important is you've got to be consistent with strength training it probably is a good idea to put on a little bit more muscle as you get older, if you can for injury protection and so many other just longevity reasons. And, and yeah, I, I think the strength training, the lifting weights is absolutely necessary for older runners to maintain their fitness, to maintain their capabilities. Um, cause you look at everything that what strength training does it, it counterbalances the aging process, you know, Mm -hmm. from a hormonal profile to a muscle profile. It's so critically important. So you I'm going to be a master soon, Jason. I'm 39 (laughs) or I'm entering into the master's field here soon. I am a master, Jason. I'm going to be turning 38 in just Uh, uh, about a month or so. And so I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I've been there for quite some time, people. (laughs) (laughs) So you, um, when you're in your coaching, you are used you for a runner, you will structure a running plan and a strength plan and work with your people on the whole package, right? Yeah. We, we have so many different programs that I've, I've been creating different 
training programs for years and years. So we have quite a few, we have weightlifting programs and nutrition courses and courses that focus on injury prevention. So yeah, we can definitely do a lot with runners depending on what their goals are. As an aside, I just want to say, Jason, from something you talked about with beginning, when you said when you're graduating um, college and you didn't know what the heck you wanted to do and you knew you wanted to do something with running, I think Chris and I talk about this a lot. It's so cool that you like took something that you're passionate about and you made it happen. And you're I thought still that making too. it happen. It's like, yes, I love, like, <laughs> I didn't do it, but it's so cool to see like other people being like doing it, like really, truly doing it, taking their passion and making it happen and making it as successful as you had. It's just awesome. It's so cool to see and so inspiring for so many people. Oh, well, thanks, Carly. That, that means so much. And can I tell you a quick story about how, yes, how kind of my mind shifted on this? Yeah. I was a couple months into my first job ever after college and I was at my grandmother's house. I think it was Thanksgiving and my uncle comes over and he asked me how the new job was going. And I said, well, not great. It's pretty boring. I don't love it. You know, whatever. It's just kind of mind numbing. And he said, well, Jason, only 40 more years. And we all just had a little laugh and ha ha ha, you know, great joke, Uncle Tony. But then I started thinking about that. And yes. my God, I have never stopped thinking about that. I, I remember just being like, no, it, it was it was soul crushing to me. I couldn't imagine yeah. that future for me. And so, yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, I was going down a, uh, the Barnes and Noble bookstore every lunch hour reading through finance books and entrepreneurship books, just racking my brain about how I can not work in this job that I don't like for the next 40 years. So uh, big, big props to my uncle for making me think very critically about the rest of my life. I mean, who would have thought that that one comment could change things so much for you and put you on this path where you're like, I'm not doing that. And look how many lives you get to impact and change, Mm -hmm. you know? Because it's not just running, you know, running is the thing you do, but running bleeds over into your life and the thing, the places it can take you and the confidence and the skills you learn that you can apply in your life. It's not just going out every day and running. It's so much bigger than that. And people, if you think that you just want to run something big and go online and get a training plan, get a coach because Look at all the information that Jason on just on this little podcast, imagine having that for months, you know, at your ready and working with someone it's like having a coach, I think can be life changing because it's an investment in your health and you just don't know what you don't know. You know, that's just fun. That's a great point. And I, I think just to talk about coaching for a second, I think coaching is one of those things where you know, I, I almost feel like I'm a little bit useless when things are going really well, but a coach is particularly helpful, helpful when things don't go well, when there's yeah. a problem, you know, if a workout goes great, you know, you get a high five virtually maybe. And, and we kind of move on with the training. There's really not much to discuss, but if something goes wrong, that's when a coach can be really helpful, not just for mm-hmm. a single workout, but yes. you know, why do you keep getting injured? That's a complicated question. And you know, a coach can really help you work through that. Or, you know, why am I stuck running the same time in the marathon or whatever race it might be, you know, race after race after race, I can never improve. Well, that's also a very thorny, tricky problem to solve, right? You really have to 
get a holistic view of what's going on and, and, and really try to figure things out. And so I think coaches are really good for those times when things do tend to go wrong, whether it's injury, whether, you know, you're really good at following a training plan, but you know, life happens like it does to everyone. And you have no idea what to do if you miss a day or three days or God forbid a week of training. And so, yeah, a coach can be super helpful. So if you're someone who doesn't typically have many problems with your running, maybe you don't really need a coach. Uh, but if you're like most people who sometimes you get hurt, sometimes you don't know what to do, you know, sometimes you run your, your big goal race and then you're just a little lost afterward. What do you do? How do you structure your training after a race? If you're not sure what to train for next, hmm, that's another tricky question. And so a coach can be really helpful in those situations so that even if you don't know what to do, or even if you are injured, you're still moving things forward. Yeah. You just train for life, right? <laughs> train yeah. for life. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we have, we have yeah. talked about so much more than just five helpful yeah. tips to help this you get awesome. through your first ultra. Uh, yeah. I think I might've only mentioned four, give yourself enough time. Don't put the race on a pedestal. Make sure you're not skipping strength training or speed yeah. work. Yeah. My, my last one, I know that there's been a lot of tips here, but <laughs> I think right. my last like tip it. is simply to find a course that isn't going to beat the hell out of you. And this ah. comes from my direct personal experience <laughs> of choosing a mountainous 50k. It actually wasn't even 50k. It was 32 miles. And because I'm a stickler, I recognize that that's a mile longer than I really had to run. <laughs> and, and it just had, uh, you know, close to 8,000 feet of elevation gain and loss. It was very technical in here in the, the mountains of Colorado. And, and I don't think I was really prepared for that kind of terrain, even though I was, you know, a little cocky at the time. And, you know, I was coming off some some pretty decent marathons and, and thought running, you know, an extra 4.8 miles wouldn't be that big of a deal, but you know, let's, while we don't want to put the race on a pedestal, we do want to respect it and mm -hmm. respecting your first attempt at an ultra probably means not signing up for the most difficult ultra that you can find. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you said that and Matt Fitzgerald, he was on our podcast. He said the same thing. He just, you know, he's just like, hey, I could do this. Yeah, this will be good. You know, he kind of had a little, yeah, a view of it that mm, it kind of kicked his butt, I think a little yeah. bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I love Matt Fitzgerald. Matt is my brother from another mother. We were at a different running camp together in early August. And, uh, I just had him on my podcast. We joked around about how we shared a bunk bed one night and I never thought <laughs> I, I'd of sharing a that. bunk bed with author Matt Fitzgerald. Oh, <laughs> I, we liked him too. He, I was, I was really intimidated because I've read a couple of his books and I, I don't know, he's just so smart. And I Chris was, was kind very of, nervous. She was I was, very and then nervous. I was like, Oh my God, I just loved him. I just loved him. He was so easy to talk to and so fun. And I just, I, yeah, I, he was the one I was really nervous about, but it was great. It was all good. So, so J Jason, do you think, are you going to try for another ultra or you think you're done with the ultra? <laughs> I think I, I think I might've mentioned this at the camp, right? Uh, I think I would like to do another one. I'm, uh -huh. I'm running a half marathon in November. I know that's, okay. that's not an impressive distance. Okay. Uh, I, I love the half. The half is my too. Yeah. The half is a great distance. It's approachable. Mm -hmm. It's short enough yeah. to run fast. It's yep. long enough to make you feel like you train for something worthwhile. Yes. yes. 
it's a great distance. And this is an off-road half marathon. So it's sort of like a cross-country race. It's not really like a, you know, super technical trail race in the mountains. So this, I think, is going to be more my cup of tea. This is going to really match my strengths. But I still recognize the fact that I've never run an ultra and I have DNF'd my only ultra attempt. And I don't know if I can let that be my- Yeah, I think there's one in your future. I think there is. That can't be my legacy. No, you could, you know, you could train for that one and go back and do that one. Now that you know what you need to do, you could do that. No, then he would not be following tip number five of do not pick a course (laughs) that's that's going to kill you. Do not do that. That's a lot of game. That's a lot of game. Well, I think there's one in your future and I think you should podcast all about it. Yeah. (laughs) If I do an ultra, I I certainly will for sure. Awesome. Well, is there any for any parting words of encouragement you can leave our listeners with? I mean, I feel like this whole thing has been encouraging and awesome. This is, I keep thinking of some, some people in my life who are going to absolutely love this Mm -hmm. because they, they're going to learn so much, but what you got any final encouragement for anyone? Oh, well, thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah, I would, I would just say that, you know, have fun with the process of training. I think a lot of runners, you know, they get down in the dumps about the slog of training and, and, and the fact that they have to do mm-hmm. running, you know, they have to go for this run. They have to do this workout is no, you get to do this. You are, you are physically able to do it. Enjoy that celebrate your, your body, your fitness level, what you can do by going out there and doing it and having fun with it. And, you know, Carly and I were talking about how some of our fastest races where where we are out there wanting to do it. And I'm always telling runners, look, I'm not really in the business of getting people to love running that that I can't do it. It's not, I don't consider it my job. If you want to just hate running, then, then fine. I'm I'm not going to give you any argument. Sometimes I hate it too, (laughs) but as we all do, but if you do love running, then, then enjoy it. Enjoy the process of training. Enjoy the hard workouts. Enjoy seeing what your body is capable of achieving. It's just a fun journey to go on. And looking back on, you know, 22, 23 years of my own running career, I remember thinking to myself, why am I doing this? I don't have to do this because it was all, it was very challenging. And it's also just relentless when you're running 90 miles a week. It's like every day is sort of a long run, you know? And I just kept thinking to myself, I don't have to do this. Why am I doing it? And then I realized, well, what else would I be doing right now? What I would, I would watch an extra hour of TV at night and sleep in for an hour in the morning. I don't know. That's not really going to make me happy the easy thing is not going to make me happy. And so, sure. yeah. And, and looking back on things, I think that hindsight is, is really important. Uh, I'm glad that I was able to kind of almost have the, the, the real time wisdom to, to say, I'm going to stick with this, even though it, it sucks right now, but yeah, looking back on things, it's such a rewarding experience. So just have fun with it. Enjoy it. If you want to be doing this, then go all in and mm-hmm. you certainly won't regret it. That's awesome. Well, we are sure glad you stuck with it. Yes. <laughs> and I'm really happy that I got to meet you at trail camp and I'm grateful that you're here and sharing wisdom with everybody. This has been really awesome. It's been awesome. So awesome. Chris, I'm surprised you haven't made fun of me for hiking four miles and flip-flops. I, I almost did. <laughs> I almost <laughs> brought it up and I thought, oh, I'm not sure if he wants me to bring that up. But yes, uphill two miles and downhill two miles in flip-flops quite impressive uh but I don't know if you know this Carly but I'll tell you and everybody else 
he, his feet were getting so sore. We found a river and he stood in the river for a while to kind of cool his feet off. But I was so impressed. Like flip flops. <laughs> he got, he gets out of the van. I said, um, are you going to put on some running shoes? <laughs> like, no, I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were just walking, right? Yeah. Famous last hiking. words, Jason. Famous last yeah. words. I don't think we were power hiking. <laughs> we were just walking, walking, but it was fun. Yeah, it was, yeah, that was, you know, that was my favorite day of trail camp and that experience talking to you and Lauren. And I just felt like that was awesome. You know, you gave me a lot of good encouragement and a lot of good tips and shared a lot. And I was very, very grateful. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds great. I, I remember me being like, I'm just struggling. I ran out of water. <laughs> the, the end of the hike, I'd put my shirt over my head to protect myself from the sun because I yeah. forgot my sunscreen. So I'm glad I was at least pretending to be 100% yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling pretty good on that one. It was a it good pace like for me. So. Different experiences here, Jason and Chris. It <laughs> yeah. feels like these are different experiences that were had in that, in that situation. It was good. It was all good. <laughs> good well thank you so much jason we really appreciate it and when you uh, get done running that ultra we'll have you back on so you can tell uh, us yeah. about how it went excellent i can't wait to see if i abided by my own tips <laughs> <laughs> i'm awesome. sure you did and there we have it if you enjoyed this conversation be sure to check out the becoming ultra podcast search strength running for even more ultra marathon strategies and consider a review in apple music And a big thanks to our sponsor, Elemental Labs, for their support. If you have a high sweat rate, or if you're like me and just have very salty sweat, it's important to dial in your hydration. Elemental Labs is offering a free sample pack with four flavors and eight individual packets at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You only have to pay for shipping, which is only $5 here in the United States. Elemental Labs makes electrolytes for athletes and for low-carb folks that doesn't have any sugar or artificial ingredients or colors in it. And lately, I feel like I've been cheating on the citrus flavor because watermelon is fast becoming my salt of choice. And for those athletes who might be running five or more days per week, training for a half marathon or longer, or just outside in the heat, an electrolyte replacement can help your hydration and recovery. And I'm encouraged by the fact that Navy SEAL teams, Olympic teams, and many pro athletes have started using elemental electrolyte supplements to improve their performance. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You can try their sample pack and get your hydration optimized for the upcoming fall season. We're also supported by Inside Tracker, and they want to help you do what you love for life. They want you to be a successful, healthy runner for decades. They were founded in 2009 by aging, genetics, and biometric scientists to help you analyze your body's data and get a firm idea of how well you're responding to training. Understanding your body's biomarkers from stress hormones to testosterone to vitamin D can help you figure out if you're overtraining, if you're undertraining, or if you're optimally training and it can help you see problems before they start to negatively impact your running. But the best part is that after you get all this data, they give you personalized optimal ranges for each of those biomarkers and a whole host of ways to improve them through diet, lifestyle, or exercise changes. I've personally gotten three ultimate tests from them over the years, and the process is simple, it's easy, and it's very eye-opening. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off any test that they offer 
at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning. This is a big deal because these tests are admittedly not cheap. Stack the odds in your favor and give yourself every advantage with a personalized blood test. Go to insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning to save 25% today. All right, runners, that's our show today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, and we will be in touch very soon.